You're listening to a message that was recorded live at Roots Community Church in Costa Mesa, California. Roots exists to celebrate the glory of God through lives transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. For more information about our community, visit us at rootschurch.net. One thing is true for sure. I, I'm glad I didn't have to introduce myself um, because sometimes I can say all the things at once. I'm glad he did it. Um, just one thing is um, that he talked about doctrine and, and character, and uh, I think I've realized that it's a lifelong journey um, to get to grasp um, what is true and um, how it affects our hearts and then how it, tra- it transmits into what we do with what we know and with what we love in our hearts. And so I am grateful that I am on that journey, not alone, but with you all. Um, the words in the song that we sang last was uh, um, a blessing to me, um, confessing the worth and unworthiness. Uh, it's a mixture that sounds a little bit weird, uh, but it's true. Uh, I, I know it because sometimes we can get lost in, in, in celebrating what Christ has done and forget how undeserving we are. Uh, but sometimes it's good to see, actually not sometimes, um, all the time realizing that without what Christ has done, we are worth nothing. And then we can appreciate what he has done uh, much better. Um, today, um, like we heard at the beginning, Rest for our souls is what we need most. And we worry about many things. And I pray that all of us together as we um, go through the word of God today, um, we would keep that the major thing that um, preoccupies our minds. So since I don't have to introduce myself, I'm glad. I'm going to just get straight to the point. Um, I'm happy that I'm here today. 2020 was the time we thought we would meet, but then COVID was going on. Um, so we had to postpone and say, maybe when the Lord opens the door, you can come. Um, then by the time I was planning, I fell sick. That was COVID. Um, thankfully, the symptoms were mild. And by the time I was about to confirm my trip, I tested negative. So I'm glad I can be here with you all um, and that I'm healing. Um, I'm recovering. Uh, I'm grateful to God. Um, I am greatly grateful, if I may say, um, that I've got to know you guys as partners even before I got to meet you. This is my first time to be at Roots, and um, it was a blessing to my heart to get to hear that there was this church in California that was willing to partner with me as I was going through um, a decision that was going to make an impact on my life and and on the lives of many um, at Westminster. So... If I can say that here, 
Uh, I don't know whether I would be able to say it any other time. So I'm, I'm grateful that I can meet you today, uh, can get to see you. You are real people, loving people, uh, not just saying it, but showing it. So I'm, I'm grateful. Uh, may the Lord bless you. Um, so we've been hearing Matthew six twenty five to 34 that that's the passage we'll be going through today and i would like to say a few words and then we'll get into the word immediately um it's from matthew of course as the title says it and um matthew is writing to both jewish and gentiles christians um he wants them to know that christ is messiah and is the blessing for the whole world. And that's what Christ wants you to know today. Matthew is saying that both Jews and Gentiles can rest in this salvation that Jesus Christ has, has brought to us. Um, through Christ, they can all be citizens of the kingdom. And when you come to the Sermon on the Mount, Christ is preaching on what it means to live in that kingdom. And so he's been showing them why he's come um, and, of course, to save the world. And now he's at the point where he's saying, you are those who have heard this good news. This is how you can live. So we can't divorce what we are reading here from what Christ has been talking about um, as his mission. This passage is very interesting in that it tells us what not to do and then it grounds uh, it in the fact that the Father cares for us and then ends with what we are to do. And so that will be the focus for us today. So without taking much time, let's read this passage together. I trust you can follow either on your phone Uh, Or your Bible that you've already opened. So Matthew chapter 6 verse 25 to 34. And let's stand together as we read God's word. Therefore I tell you do not be anxious about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink. Nor about your body. What you will put on is not life more than food. And the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They neither soar nor reap nor gather into burns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not more? Are you not of more value than they? And which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you? Anxious about clothing, consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles 
Seek after all these things. And your heavenly father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Amen. You may be seated. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Let us pray together again. Lord, thank you that we can be here today to hear from you. We pray that you would feed us and satisfy our longings, our yearnings. We pray that, Father, knowing who you are, knowing what you tell us in your word today, would edify our hearts, would warm our hearts, and move us to live for you, to live for that which is more important to seek you with all our might, to seek you as those who will find you and find you as those who will continue seeking you. That's what we pray for today. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, I have a question for you all. I'd like you to raise your hand if you've never worried about anything. So it's only Alec. Um, Yeah, but um, if I put my hand up, it would be a lie. So the point is, of course he was joking, uh, we all worry. We all worry about what we do not have. And sometimes, actually most of the times, because of what we have. And so... No option or many options, all of those things worry us. Some people worry about losing weight while others want to gain weight. Others worry about finding godly, loving spouses while others are worried about difficulties in marriage. What are you worried about? Being in the best school? Having the newest fashion to wear? Finding a good job? Maybe you are worried about your salvation or that of your loved one. Are you worried about safety or financial stability for your family? Are you worried about your life during this unusual time uh, of the pandemic? Uh, We do not know what could happen. So we are wondering, um, after Omicron, maybe it's another variant, and maybe it might be strong. So why are you worried? Are you worried about death? Because that's scary to know that you are dying anytime soon. You and I know what worries us most. Um, And we better be honest about it. Because we do. We can't dismiss it. It's always here. We are battling with it. 
But I would like to invite you to listen to this story uh, to appreciate what worry can do. One morning, death was walking into a city. Um, when a man stopped him and asked him what he was doing, death answered, I am into the city to kill 10,000 people. The man replied, that's terrible that you would kill 10,000 people. Death responded, thanking people when their time has come is my job, my friend. Today, I have to get my 10,000. Later, as death was coming out of the city, the man met him. Again, he was furious. He said, you told me this morning that you were going to take 10,000 people. But 70,000 people died. Death answered, don't get mad at me. I only took 10,000. Worry killed the rest. Worry is such a big problem that we are faced with today. Uh, I know most of us use the term anxiety. And we are anxious about all these things. And Christ knows it. So he spends a lot of time talking about why we should not worry in this passage. And uh, I would like us to at least see why we should not worry and um, then see what we need to focus on. Christ takes us from what not to do. First point, do not worry about anything. Then second point, know that your heavenly father cares for you. So that's what to do. And the third point, seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. What to do? Do not worry about anything. When Jesus tells us not to worry, he is saying, stop worrying. It sounds very rigid. It's not kind enough when I say, stop worrying. It's like I'm, not in, I'm being insensitive to your feelings. But that's basically what he's saying. He's saying stop worrying. Jesus spends much time explaining this point. Why do you think this is the case? Like I said, it is because you and I worry. To worry is to be troubled. To, to experience mental anxiety. Because of a situation that is hard to control. Often at times we are depressed about the past, but worried about the future, worried about our condition right now. And you know the problem? It's a battle about control. Uh, it's about wondering who is in charge. And we are basically saying, I am in charge when I'm worrying about my life. Uh, what I want to eat, what I want to do. And this kind of battle is experienced by not just the rich or the poor. Both the rich and the poor worry. If you are not worried about what you lack, like I said, you are worried about what you have. And yet in this passage, Jesus is telling us and his disciples 
not to worry about things like food. Now, I want to take us back to the Garden of Eden. Food and life were linked in the Garden of Eden. Uh, Because of food, Adam and Eve forfeited eternal life. Satan thought he would do this with Jesus. But Jesus, when tempted, said, it is written. Satan tempted Jesus by telling him to turn a stone into bread. But Jesus, whose food was to do the will of God, answered according to God's word. Christ could not forfeit his life and that of his people because of mere food. Now, don't get me wrong. If you are here and you did not eat, it might happen that I will see you dozing. Because I know what it means to be hungry. Uh, When you are hungry, there is no focus. So the point here is not to minimize the fact that there are people who are hungry and who need help that we can also offer. But it's to remind us that as much as food is important, it's not something we should take as the principal thing we are worried about. Jesus, because of this salvation that he comes to win for us, we are completely secure. Jesus was completely secure before his father. He knew his father was there for him when he was being tempted. So he couldn't give in to the temptation that Satan was bringing him into. And so, you and I, are we? We are secure in Christ So when he's saying, do not worry, when you know what he has done, it should comfort you. Whether you are hungry, whether you are full, you should remember that. Our lives cannot be harmed at all, whether we live or die. So why should we worry about food? The life that Jesus Christ offers to those who trust in him is better than this food that we eat and then the next morning we are hungry. However, we should worry if we are in Adam. If you are here and you are still in Adam, you are still not yet a believer in Christ. You should be worried because there is an eternity to spend away from God. If you are living according to the flesh and you are here, that should be a reason enough to worry. But if we live in Jesus Christ, neither a lack or abundance of food should worry us because the physical food we need cannot compare to the eternal life we have in Christ Jesus. I, I pray that God would open our eyes as we go through this text to come to a point where we can see that what we have is way better than anything we can long for in this world. In verses 28 to 30, Jesus talks about clothing. And uh, it's good to see you all wearing nice clothes. Uh, Nobody would have loved to see you in shabby clothes. And praise be to God, he's provided. But a question 
can be posed to you. Who is born with clothes? Uh, those who are mothers know it very well that when we were born, none of us was wearing anything. We are worried about the next pair of shoes or buying brands like Gucci, Nike, Polo, Adidas. Uh, know that these things are bad, um, but think about this. Your body is far better than the expensive clothes you want to wear. And yet, you only need clothes while your body is still functioning. A personal story. In 2021, I had two accidents. Okay? Especially the second one I had in September got me thinking. Um, during the 30 seconds that I was in my car, out of control. I never wondered about clothes or food. I was wondering whether I was dying or whether I was still alive. That was the major question I was asking at that point. And the next words that came from my mouth as the car at least managed to break was, I am alive. I am alive. So I, I was like, wow, really? So movies, when we watch movies and there's this uh, terrific accident that happens, can be real. Like I am on a 90 degree turn and then I miss the turn and I go on a hill. Then I find myself in the next road and I'm like, okay, so am I still alive or am I dying? The point here is when crucial moments come, there are things we don't worry about. You are worried about what is most important, life. You're like, am I still alive? Okay. Um, what this taught me was that life in the body is important. I got to see the reason I was still alive. I realized that it's because God was still sustaining me. Maybe you too, you know someone who may have gone through that, or maybe you yourself um, have gone through a situation that's most challenging, just like the one that I just described to you, and you know what that can mean. But you know what? Jesus does not end there. He still continues from food and life, body and clothes. Christ brings us to nature. He mentions birds, which would include animals like squirrels. Have you seen them? I don't know about uh, California, but I saw them in Virginia. Um, and I wondered how they live during the winter. It's cold there. It's not like here. I should be wearing something uh, more warm. But because I'm here, I couldn't. Um, it's just warm here. Um, but the point is, these animals I cared for. He even mentions the lily. And uh, I don't think we... Do we see lilies here as often? 
but think of them as flowers in general. I enjoyed seeing flowers as I took walks in the morning. I had a nine months internship in Virginia. So I, I, I still love that scenery. Uh, I would be walking and seeing these beautiful flowers. One thing I could do is take nice pictures so that I can look back and say, yeah, they were beautiful. And think of the sparrows, these ordinary birds, which do not sow or reap. Who feeds animals like, like those? Who makes flowers beautiful? Friends, I, you know, Christ is telling us that it's our heavenly father who cares for them. Jesus points to the fact that Solomon, the richest and wisest man who ever existed in this world, never compared to the glory of these flowers. Why? Because the heavenly father who cares for everything in this world cares for these flowers that we see to the point that even this man who amazed many in the world could not compare to their beauty. Now, what about you and I? Image bears. You are not just any kind of creation. I'm not saying this so that you may go out and begin to talk words to yourself. I'm not what you think I am. I am an image bearer. The point is, it's a fact from God's word. You are created in God's image. You and I are fearfully and wonderfully made. As we read in Psalm 139 verse 14. After creating human beings, God said something that he did not say after creating other things. He said that other things were, like flowers of course, (laughs) were beautiful. But after creating on the sixth day, creating you and I, creating Adam, he said in verse 31 of chapter 1, the book of Genesis, that it was very good. I love it in Hebrew, and I would like you to learn that. Tov meod. It's easy, right? Tov meod. It just means very good. And it's God who said it. Very good. So, the point here is, if those plants, those animals are cared for by God, what about you and I, who are created in God's image? Because he cares for you, God who causes plants to grow so that we may have foods in our fridges, like we read in uh, Psalm 104, verse 14, continues to make sure that you have the next fruit, the next vegetables. You have all these greens. Um, I think for children and uh, for some people who grew up in a... um, city do not get to see how plants grow and so when you see that nice apple in in the fridge you're not thinking there's a process you're like daddy i need the next apple but 
this psalm reminds us that this is because God cares for us, that he makes even those plants grow so that we may not starve. This God cares for you more than anything we just mentioned. This God not only knows you in general, he knows even these cells that die, that are dead. The hair. Every hair on your head is numbered. So nothing can fall down without his knowledge. So he knows the bigger picture of you and the details of your life to the point that nothing can happen to you without his knowledge. Now, why shouldn't you worry? It's because worrying is exercising in futility. Verses 27 and 34. Worrying cannot add anything to our being. Instead, it troubles us all the more. Worrying about tomorrow makes things even worse. Like we saw, some people worried to the point that they died. Of course, it's a story. But we know people who just had a mental breakdown, people who had a cardiac arrest because they couldn't sleep. It's an exercise in futility. You waste your time worrying. Now, I know we worry. That's a reality. To worry about tomorrow is like holding the wind in the palm of our hands since we cannot hold the future. We don't know. We don't know what's going to happen in 30 minutes from now. I don't know. Only God perfectly knows what our future will look like. He is with you. Not just now, but also even in that future. This is a wonderful God. And the other thing that we see in this passage is that worrying is having little faith. That's, that's what Jesus says in verse 30. Worrying because we forget that, sorry, we worry because we forget that um, the earth and all things in it belong to our Lord. Uh, you can read that at home in Psalm 24. Um, and God promises to provide for his children Remember that you might be worried right now, but Jesus is not worried where he is right now at the right hand of God. He is able to provide the peace you need in all your circumstances. It doesn't mean things will always be better. Nope. They won't. People who are more mature know this better than us who are young. Um, they know what life can look like. But the point here is, Christ provides something that goes beyond any situation you can be going through. So what are you worried about? Is it a relationship with friends? Is it your marriage that's difficult? Friends, God invented it. He invented marriage. Um, So ask him to repair it. Are you worried about sickness? Remember, he formed you and sustains you. 
So he's able to heal you. Are you struggling in your walk with the Lord? Hebrews chapter 7 verse 25 tells us that he saves to the uttermost those who come to him. Some people might be here but not worry, uh, not sure whether they are in Christ. But the call today at the beginning was come to him with all your burdens because he's gentle and lowly. The only thing that will keep you from experiencing the peace that he offers is you staying away from him. But he is waiting on you to come. The solution to your problems is not having all those nice words. Talk to yourself. Motivating yourself and all that. It's good. But doesn't help. It is trusting in God. This God who formed you. This, this God whom you can count on. This Father who can be with you all the time. When I was about to die in that accident. My father who is in Congo wasn't there. I would have said. Father help me. But he wasn't there. God was there with me. And so. Please remember this today as you um, go about your business, as you think about life in general, remember God cares for you. This does not promote laziness or carelessness. Um, It just means that we prayerfully work hard, do what God has called us to do, and he promises that he will establish the works of our hands uh, in, in Psalm 90. He is a father who cares for us than any earthly father. I'm not um, discrediting you good fathers here. I'm just saying you too need a heavenly father to help you care for your children. You children, you need your father here, yes. But remember, there is a father who goes beyond This, your earthly father. And he cares for us all. That's why we can say, brothers and sisters, even to our fathers. Because we have one heavenly father who cares for us. Now, that's our second point. Know that your heavenly father cares for you. That's the ground. That's why you should not worry. Verse 32 says... For the Gentiles seek after all these things. The ones that we mentioned, food, clothes, and the next thing to do, the next amount of money, and all those things, they are good. But he says, your heavenly father knows that you need them all. Okay? Remember, You are more precious than anything else he created. As we saw in verse 26. Now, when he's saying that he knows that we need these things. What does that mean? It means that he knows them. He knows how we are made. So I'm repeating it because it's worth mentioning. It's worth repeating again. He knows 
everything that you ever need. He knows the next step you are going to take. The problem is, sometimes we are stubborn. Uh, We are like, he tells us he knows it all, but we are saying back, we know. We want to take care of ourselves. Friends, it is because God loves you as his image bearer that he initiated redemption to answer this basic problem that we all have. It's not the next pair of shoes that you need. And as much as it's good to wear nice shoes or the next nice shirt that you need. But the basic problem is the fact that we are separated from God. That's the basic problem that can now help us process any other thing that we are going through. We do not need food, clothing, or other things as as much as we need eternal life. And uh, I love how um, John 17 verse 3 says it. What is eternal life? It defines it. Uh, Sometimes we think it's moving from this part of the world to heaven, right? That's eternal life. But when you understand this, it means eternal life, we have it now. It begins now. We begin to live in it now. So hear what the word of God says in um, John 17 verse 3. And this is eternal life. That they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. That is eternal life. And that's what solves the major problem. You remember I connected food and life as we see it in the garden. That's what made us lose the privilege of living in the presence of God. That's what made us lose the eternal life that we possessed in God. In Adam, all of us, that's what we have. We have eternal condemnation. But in Christ, we have this eternal life. And what that means is now we get to know God. Now we get to approach him. So that our main need we have is not the next thing. Or the next human love. Uh, the ne- Those things are good. Just listen to me. Those things are good. But you all know that sometimes we've loved things much more that they have destroyed our lives. And friends, only this restoration of God's presence in our lives is what comes and then makes us realize our Father, our Father's care for us. I want you to know that you and I primarily need God's presence with us. This is what will keep you at peace, even in those great storms of life. Not the things of this world you are longing for. That's that's very key. It has helped me, and I know that by the time you are here, you already know this, um, that somehow... Somewhere you've been disappointed, like you and I, uh, as we've put our faith into these good things, these good people who are going to help us, and then boom, they disappoint us. I'm reminded all the time of the promise God gave to Joshua as he's um, faced with this 
leadership challenge after the death of Moses. He has big shoes to, to fill in. He, he has to lead the people of God um, from this place where they were, they're stuck, to the promised land. And he's worried. He's like, I don't know what I'm going to do. But in Joshua 1 verse 5, he says, No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. All the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Friends, I'm going to be leaving, by the way, this evening. So I won't be with you. <laughs> um, and uh, that's always something that we miss in this time. Because sometimes we connect on FaceTime, uh, Google Meet, and then we uh, kind of comfort ourselves that, yeah, we are together. We are not physically. But when God is saying, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He's saying, even in the dark, I will be there with you. When he's saying those words, he's saying, where your father and mother cannot be, I will be there with you. That's the point here. And so, when he says that he knows all things, that we need them. He's telling us that we can trust in his care for us. We can count on his presence with us. That's what we need. He owns you and I. Not just the things in this world. We all belong to him. So what would you lack if you knew that God cares for you? And if you trusted that indeed he cares for you what would you lack so why do you worry do you know that he loves you to the point that he gave his only begotten son we really worry because we forget this great truth um, the truth of God's love for you and I but here what Paul says in Romans 8 verse 32, which we read in our call to worship today. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Of course, that's a, that's a rhetorical question. And we know the answer, right? Nothing we can lack. Because he was willing to give that which was most precious to him. He loved his son. And yet he was willing to give that son for you and I. So that we may become the beloved of him. So that in him we may come to a realization that we can lack nothing. Whether we live or die. I, that puzzles me because I'm like... So, it's not just now, but even when I die, I know that my soul is in his hands. The rest of our souls is what matters most. Because once we come to that point, 
we know, and I'm using we because I am included in that, we know that both now and in the future, it's secure. Friends, God's son is named Emmanuel, which means God with us. And we've been in that season of Christmas a couple of weeks ago, and it would be encouraging for us to come to realize how that applies in our lives every day. It just means that because Christ has come, God is with us again. He is with us all the time. We can count on his care. He was promised in Isaiah 7, verse 14. He was promised and he came in Matthew 1, 23. Now we read that, yeah, he's come. If God himself is with us, we cannot doubt his care for us. His spirit is in us, those of us who are in Christ Jesus. He knows that we need things even before we mention it to him. And he's promised to provide. Remember that Paul writes in Philippians 4 verse 19 that all And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. So if you want to experience this care of the Father, you need to be in the Son. Because that's where all the blessings of God are found. It's beyond anything you can imagine. Beyond the best person you've ever been around. It's beyond Any car that you've ever dreamed of. It's beyond anything in this world. Friends, we worry in most cases. But I want to encourage us to prayerfully and humbly claim this promise that we read in um, Philippians chapter 4 verse 19. By putting it in the first person. When we are worried. Say, my God will supply every need of mine according to his riches in Christ Jesus. That's something that should, again, warm your heart to realize that, yeah, it's beyond this world. Knowing this helps us to focus on matters of first importance. This helps us to major not on minors, but keep the main thing, the main thing, which is seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Um, And this is our last point for today. Um, Let's read together Matthew 6, verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. Are those things? We saw them. That these basic needs that we have... um, 
the next thing that we are craving for. But Christ is saying, hey, um, please, those things are good. He's not saying they are not good. He's saying, in as much as they are good, please focus on seeking the kingdom of God first. For all these other things will be added unto you. Now, you may have watched the movie 1917. I don't know, but... Okay? (laughs) As I was on on my plane to California, I watched 1917 this week. And uh, there are two British young soldiers... Um, who were sent on an impossible mission. Um, In a race against time, they were to cross over into the enemy's territory to deliver a message that would potentially save um, 1,600 people. Two things constituted the mission. One, to tell uh, Colonel McKenzie to not continue with the war. Because the Germans had wanted the British to attack so that they can crush them. And also, the, the, other, the other thing was to find Blake. And so, unfortunately, as they were going, because there was uh, Blake's brother and this other guy known as Schofield, they are going, um, they meet dangers. Uh, they meet things that would have destroyed their lives and uh, Blake's brother dies on the journey to go to find his brother. So Schofield, the survivor, continued with the mission. He ran through gunshots and got wounded. He was almost diverted from his mission by a French woman who had helped dress his wounds. But he remembered the general said, he said, The general said, I must go and talk to Colonel McKenzie about this thing. He almost drowned in this big river as he ran from his enemies. But he kept thinking about the general's word. He eventually found Colonel McKenzie and Blake. And at the end, In the movie, I could see the sense of relief in his eyes because though tired, he had accomplished his mission. And so we could be here thinking about all these things. The next thing we want to do, and it's good because we should be planning. But believers are like soldiers. Christ Jesus is our general And in this passage, he tells us that in the midst of all our troubles in this world that cause us to worry, our main mission is to do what? Is to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So like this Schofield running and running, finding all these troubles, we should keep our mind thinking about this thing. What does it mean for me to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness? Now, just a brief reminder. I would like to remind us today that 
hey, this kingdom of God and righteousness, again, they go hand in hand. They are linked. We cannot speak of God's kingdom without speaking of righteousness. Because without righteousness, no one can enter the kingdom of God. And you know what? Something is discouraging a little bit. Because only Christ qualifies as the perfect citizen of this God's kingdom. He's the only one who, whose complete desires is to do the will of the Father. Contrary to Adam, Jesus does not disobey God. And Adam was our father and by, by virtue of being his children, boom. We fall in that category of those who are not qualified. Jesus obeyed perfectly. Even when he was still in this life, then he went to the point of dying. Not just any kind of death, but death on the cross. We read that in Philippians chapter 2. John 4 34 gives me somebody I can look up to, Christ Jesus himself. It says, Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. In fact, by his life and his death, he fulfilled all the righteousness we need. This is what it means to seek God's kingdom. It means fulfilling all righteousness that's required to be in God's kingdom. It means to be in God's will. To align our thoughts with God's thoughts. To seek God's kingdom is believing that he owns and rules over all things, including our own lives. Whether we live or die. Believing this is trusting that God will provide what we need. So as long as it aligns with what he has planned for you and I. When we read the book of Genesis, we see that all has gone wrong because of Adam's fall. But thanks be to God for Christ's perfect obedience. He is and has perfect righteousness so that he is the perfect seeker of God's kingdom. However, we are not like him. So for us to seek the kingdom of God, which is what Christ calls us to do, Christ has to carry us on his back by faith. Because only Christ has the righteousness that this kingdom of God requires. The question would be, which is a personal question that I want you to think about. Um, You do not necessarily have to answer it right here, right now. Have you put your trust in him? Have you come to a point where you know he is my savior and Lord? Because this won't mean anything to you. Seeking God's kingdom will not happen unless you know that Christ's righteousness is sufficient. 
And as we finish, I would like to say that as we trust the only Jesus who can carry us, we learn to acknowledge that all things are provided for in our God. We understand that he is the only one who can save us from our sins. And we understand that it is in the kingdom of God that we have all our needs met, not out there. So with that understanding that not only is here, but also here, we make seeking God's kingdom our priority despite what may come. How do we seek this kingdom? I have a few practical things that I thought about that I could share with you. Um, We seek God's kingdom by aligning our wills to the will of our heavenly father. Seeking God's kingdom includes accepting him as the king and lord of all aspects of our lives. It is depending on his rule and committing to his service. That's part of seeking God's kingdom. But also trusting him for all we need. Not only for faith, but also for life. This can be difficult in the U.S. Because sometimes, you know, yeah. I'll pick up the next thing in the fridge. Everything is there. So you think that food, anything else is just a given. But really trusting in Christ is um, believing that not only our faith is assured faith, not any kind of faith, but also for anything we need, it's provided for. So we give thanks And if we lack, we go before him in prayer. We also remember that there is something beyond this world that we have never heard of, that we've never seen. So that's what we are looking forward to. And it's assured in Christ. But also seeking the kingdom means knowing that God knows it. All. We can count on the fact that he has our back, like we normally say. But the question is, do you trust this? Or do you think that it's some ideas that are just religious? And I want to say that it's, it's real in my life. He's provided in ways that I couldn't have asked for. And so sometimes I see, and I see the worth and unworthiness, like I said. Um, and it amazes me. And so the, the point here is not to get you thinking, oh, it's now not real. Uh, as it used to be, or like I would like it to be. But the point is saying, Holy Spirit, help me make this message real. Illuminate my mind. And warm my heart again. So that this message can move from just here to here. And to just living it out. Now the other thing which we are doing today is that we seek God's kingdom by applying the means of grace 
to our lives. The Lord's Supper, baptism, fellowship with brothers and sisters, like we are doing today, prayer, studying God's word, all these things strengthen us in our pursuit of this seeking the kingdom. We also receive God's grace, especially when we hear the word of God preached to us. And that's why we are encouraged to come to see these brothers and sisters who are like-minded. These people who are seeking God's kingdom. We are empowered in our faith. So, like Schofield in um, the movie 1917, who kept on going even when he could have died, we are to push on because we have a great general, the captain of our salvation, Christ Jesus. He's won. He's on the other side as well. The general would not have helped Schofield in any way in his mission because he was where he was. But our destiny is sure. We can count on what Christ says because he has gone through life and death. He is raised from the dead. He is alive right now. He's reigning at the right hand of God the Father. Not just sleeping, but interceding for you and I. We can count on him. We can be sure that as our general who has given us a mission, he's going to empower us. He provides what he requires of us. Children of God, let, let us not worry. Instead, let's remember that our heavenly father cares for us. Um, instead, let's seek the kingdom of God. Uh, as we live our lives here now and look forward to his return.